Can we appreciate our pastors? What an awesome, awesome, awesome leaders that we have. And uh, it's just such a blessing to be here. Uh, greetings from uh, all the way in Toowoomba. Uh, come from Toowoomba. How many of you know where Toowoomba is? Amen. That's where the Lord lives. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, it's been a bit of a travel, a bit of a journey. But you know what? It's worth it uh, just to be in this atmosphere. Uh, the worship team did such an awesome job. Can we appreciate the worship team? They just did a fantastic job here tonight. But I want us to pray before we go into the word. And Father, we just want to thank you for your presence here tonight. We welcome your presence, Lord. We ask you to come and have your way. Lord, to speak to us, to minister to us tonight. Lord, release your anointing. Let there be a supernatural grace that is released in this service, O oh God. Father, we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders. We thank you, Father, for those who have come believing for a touch of the supernatural. I pray, Father God, for each and every single person, Lord, that they will not leave this place the same way that they came. Father, let there be a divine deposit into their lives. In the mighty name and blood of Jesus Christ. As we kick off this conference, Father, we ask you to speak to us, to minister to us. Lord, our hearts are open. Our ears are ready to hear. Our hearts are ready to receive what you have in store for us. Set us on fire, God. Lord, set us on fire. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon us, O oh Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Come on, just for two, for about a minute. Just lift up your hand right now and just pray in the Holy Ghost if you can. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, move, move in this place. Move in this place. Father, we want more of you, more of you, more of you, more of you. More of your presence, more of your power, more of your grace, oh God. We thank you, Father, for everything that you want to do in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I've got a word from the Lord. Uh, I was just talking to my wife before. She sends our love and Blessings, uh, Pastor Brendan and I, we have something in common. Our wives are both from Kota Kinabalu, I assume. You're from, you're from Malaysia, though. Praise the Lord. So my wife is Chinese-Malaysian, and uh, we are blessed. I'll be married now eight years, and uh, God has been good to us. So she sends a love. Next time, uh, she'll probably be able to uh, make it due to all this stuff that's been happening. So do you receive her greetings? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12. I just want to share something uh, briefly that the Lord has put on my heart. And then we're going to see what the Lord wants to do here tonight. Romans chapter 12. As we were sharing here to, uh, just during lunch, uh, myself, Pastor Brendan and Pastor Helen, uh, the Lord began to quicken something in my spirit. I was uh, 
I've got a few things going on in my heart and I was asking the Lord to speak to me uh, what he would like to release uh, to this house and to this, uh, to this conference because I believe God is going to activate some people to dream, amen, to dream larger, to dream greater. I felt in my spirit that the Lord wants to enlarge the place of our dwelling. So this weekend or these few days, God is going to stretch you. Some of you, you've been believing God for too small. How many of you know God wants you to go higher? Amen. The higher you go, the more you can see. How many of you know that? The higher you go, the more you can see. That is why if you get in a rocket, you know, the higher you go, the more of the planet you can see. You can go from seeing a very small place to seeing the entire continent to seeing the entire planet. Because the higher you go, the more you can actually see. The Lord said to Moses, to, to Abraham, climb the mountain. Remember when he separated himself from uh, from from. Um, um, Lot and the Bible says that he God spoke to him and said go and climb the mountain and look to the north to the south to the east to the west as far as your eyes will see I will give it to you for inheritance you see God can never give you anything you haven't seen so God he wants to bring us to a place where he will begin to release supernatural vision but he will also begin to release dreams amen I believe this is how God speaks to us. He speaks to us through dreams and visions. And he's going to cause us to begin to receive dreams and visions over the next couple of days. So Father God, we thank you. Give us dreams and visions. The Bible says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk today, and I can talk about many points, but I want to speak really dealing with one key point uh, in for us to be able to see a bona fide move of God in our nation. How many of you know God wants to do something in Hope Church? Amen. I believe this is going to be ground zero for what God wants to do in this city, what God wants to do in this state, what God wants to do in this region. I believe that the, the Spirit of God is resting over this ministry and over this church. Just as we walked in, I remember just feeling in my spirit, there's something here. You guys have learned how to host the presence of God. And I felt like there's going to be a ripple effect, a supernatural ripple effect that's going to begin to touch the nation that's going to go from this place. So God wants us to be positioned for what he's getting ready to do. I believe there's a move of God that is coming. I believe there's a release of the supernatural that God wants to release because you've got to understand God always has a response. Amen. You know, Satan has already made his move. The whole world has been in a place where there's been pandemic and there's been a lot of confusion and a lot of fear. But you know what? When the enemy shall come in, the Bible says like a flood, the spirit of the living God will lift up a standard against him. So I felt in my spirit that God is about to move us as the body of Christ into another place where God is going to have a response. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So I want you to I want you to get ready for the next few days because God is gonna begin to stretch us. You know, speaking to our church about 2019 and 2018, you know, we had gotten to a place where we were so used to church. You know, we had gotten to a place where we were just going through the motions. How many of you know what I'm talking about? As a church in Toowoomba, we had gotten to a place in 2018, 2019. You know, I was getting trying to say telling guys, guys, get ready, get excited. God is gonna begin to do something supernatural, something great. And uh, and I felt like God was beginning to speak to me about 2018, 2019, that that was just like Egypt. You remember, there's always three levels, three dimensions that the Bible tells us. Egypt, wilderness, promised land. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And I felt like 2019, 2018, it's like we were in a season of the 30-fold. How many of you know what I'm talking about? People were excited, but were not too excited. They were happy, but they were not too happy. People got into a place where they just, they, this motivation that, that they needed for God was just not there. And I remember feeling, you know, while I was praying, even in 2019, praying into 2020, I was saying, Lord, there's got to be a change. Something's got to happen. I felt like we were in the brink of something supernatural natural. You see, in, in 20, you know, when you look at Egypt, the 34, I call that the 34. In Egypt, they worked and worked, but never got any fruit for their labor. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They built cities of Pithom and Ramesses, but nobody paid them. Four generations came and went. They worked and they labored, but they never saw any fruit of their labor. And I felt like for a long time, the body of Christ had been in that place whereby our input or, or what we were putting out, or what we were doing, we were not seeing an equal result coming back. We were putting programs, we were putting meetings, we were doing so much, but, but really with all our giving and all... It was almost like an all-night fishing. You remember, like the, what the Bible talks about Peter throwing in the net, pulling nothing, throwing in the net, pulling nothing in. And the amount of effort that we have been putting in and, and trying to get people into that place, it felt like, like Lord, we are just getting 30-fold, 30-fold. And so I began to pray, God, do something. Lord, something has to happen. We were fruitful, but we were not in that level of fruitfulness that God wanted us to be in. Now, let me just say this. God always rewards fruitfulness with pruning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I said God rewards fruitfulness with what? Pruning. Every branch that bears fruit, he does what? Prunes. He prunes. He cuts back. And so when we stepped into 2020, I felt in my spirit, it was like we left Egypt, but we stepped into the, into the wilderness. Now this year, God has been good. How many of you know that? God has been good. He has been moving. Our church, as a matter of fact, our accountant came to me and said, you know, since March, our finances have been up. We just started having in-person services on Father's Day. Our church has been closed for seven months. But we have been in a better financial state than we've ever been even last year. Every month compared, you know, this March with last year March, we were up and above. There was more coming in into the church. And we were in a place where we were wondering, how is this happening? And people were coming to us, even some, some of the people in the church, and telling us about the blessings of the Lord. Why? Because whenever you step into the wilderness, God becomes your provider. Hallelujah. 
God becomes your provider. One million people left Egypt. Not one of them had to dig the ground and put seed and try to water it and grow crops and, and be able to harvest and eat. One million people left Egypt and one million people had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Come on, somebody. The Bible says they were not feeble among them. There was no holes in their shoes. Their clothes were not worn out. God supernaturally provided for them. How many of you know in the wilderness, that's where you know the provision of God? In the wilderness, that's where God shows up and he protects you and he watches over you. But you may say, well, man of God, pastor, don't you know this is so terrible and all these things are happening? Let me tell you, those who are in Christ are not in crisis. I'm going to say that again. Those who are in Christ are not in crisis. The Bible tells us regarding the story of Noah that they entered into the ark. It was raining. The rain that was falling was killing everybody outside the ark. But everybody was in the ark. Guess what the rain was doing? It was lifting the ark from the valley all the way to the top of Mount Ararat. That's where the ark rested. Is it not right? God began to cause the ark to lift from the ground all the way. The rain that was destroying everybody outside the ark was actually a blessing for those who are in the ark. And I felt like God was getting ready to promote us, to take us to another level because we are in Christ. And the Bible says those who are in, the, the Bible says that all things work together for good. Not most things, not some things, but all things work together for good. Those who love God and want are called according to his purpose. So in the wilderness, they moved from the 30-fold to the 60-fold. But God was taking them to the 100-fold. Hallelujah. That's why I'm releasing my faith. And I said to our church, church, I said, get ready. Because 2021, we're going to believe God to step into the promised land. We're going to believe God for the overflow. We're going to believe God for the multiplication. We're going to believe God for the soaring. Hallelujah. They that wait upon the Lord, the Bible says they walk and don't grow weary. They shall run and shall not. And they shall mount up with wings. Three dimensions. In, in Egypt, we walk. In the, in the wilderness, we run. But in the promised land, guess what? We soar. Glory be to God. And I believe there is, because the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter even to the what? To the perfect day. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. So get ready for the, this new glory that God is releasing. Come on. Hallelujah. I believe the glory of the ladder house. We are about to step into the ladder house. And God is about to release his glory in the ladder house. And it's going to be greater than the former. And one of the things that God does with his glory, whenever his glory shows up, is that all his riches are hidden in glory. Amen. That's why Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That's why whenever we get to this place where the ladder house, I believe the ladder house, we're coming into this season where God is going to begin to bring us into the ladder house. So we're not going back to church. We're going forward. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not going back. We're going forward. 
We're going forward. We're going into the promised land. We're going to the place that God is taking us, that has prepared for us. The land overflowing with milk and honey. Yes, there may be giants, but our God is bigger than the giants that are in that land. I'm not saying there's not going to be challenges in the coming years. Yes, there will be, but greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How many of you know God is about to stretch us? Hallelujah. I feel he's stretching us. He's stretching us. He's increasing our capacity. Some of us, we've been dreaming too small. We've been believing God for too small. We've been having visions for too small. I felt like during this time, God is stretching us. Because there's something about affliction that causes people to stretch. In the Psalms, this is what David said. He said, in my affliction, I was enlarged. Hallelujah. The more that they oppressed the children of Israel, the more they multiplied. So whenever Satan puts us in this kind of, or tries to put us in this situation, all that's going to happen is that there's going to be anointings that will be multiplied. There's going to be graces that will be multiplied. There's going to be mantles that will be multiplied. Somebody in this place is about to step into a double portion. A double portion of God's grace. Somebody in this place is about to get, I'm talking about going from Elijah to Elisha. God is about to release that. And so we need to pray and say, God, take us into that place. Take us into that dimension. Take us into that level where you want to get us to. Hallelujah. So I believe the best is yet to come. We haven't seen our best day yet. Come on. We haven't laughed our best laugh yet. We haven't sung our best songs yet. We haven't preached our best preach yet. Come on. We haven't seen our best miracles yet. The best is yet to come. Why? Because he saves the best for last. He doesn't bring it. We haven't, some people say, oh, the good old days back when before COVID. No, the best is yet to come. We're not looking back at Egypt. That is Egypt. Amen. We're going forward to the promised land. What God is getting ready to do is going to blow your mind. Amen. It's going to blow. I mean, he's going to take us to another level and another dimension. So I felt in my spirit, God wants to stretch us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to bring us to that place where we will begin to experience the fullness of God's presence. And we need to come to a place of sacrifice. As we've read in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I believe one of the things that God is calling us to do during this time is to sacrifice because of what he wants to release. One of the things God spoke to me a while back is that fire falls on sacrifice. Fire falls on sacrifice. You see, many believers want the fire of God, but they're not willing to pay the price for the fire of God. My pastor back in Kenya used to tell us all the time, the salvation is free of charge, but the anointing will cost you everything. Hallelujah. And so you've got to understand that God is looking for a generation that is willing to pay the price for the bona fide move of the Spirit of God. He's calling us to sacrifice. 
That means we have to wait on God as long as it takes until we see a move of the Spirit of God. Now in the Old Testament, if you remember the, the contest in Mount Carmel, God spoke to, to, to Elijah. And he said to Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you know, the contest that they had, build an altar. And he built himself an altar. And the Bible says he took the sacrifice and killed it and cut it, the animal, and put it on the altar. And he began to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says as he opened his mouth, heaven opened and the fire of God came and fell on the altar. And the Bible says that the sacrifice was consumed. The water was completely evaporated. And God spoke to me that in the New Testament, the sacrifice that is asking of us is not animals, it's not sheep, it's not goats, it's not cattle, but he's asking us for ourselves. He's speaking to us to come and present ourselves as living sacrifice. If you really want to see the fire of God, fire only falls on sacrifice. And God is looking for people who will lay down their lives at the altar and say, God, I will serve you. Whatever it takes, whatever price I have to pay, I will pay that price to see the move of the Spirit of God. And I felt in my spirit. Remember, Jesus spoke to the disciples. He spoke to over 500 of them. He said to them, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you endure with power from on high. He invited them to a place of sacrifice. 500 of them. And the Bible says they went into the upper room. But after 10 days, somebody thought, oh, you know, we've been waiting for 10 days. Nothing has happened. So we're going to go back and, uh, and open our shop because our shop's been closed for 10 days. This Jesus is taking too long. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Ten, another five more days, 15 days into it. Somebody else says, listen, we've been waiting 15 days praying. Jesus said something is going to happen. Nothing has happened. I've got to go back and till the ground. And I've got to go on back to my little paddock and work. And see you guys later. I wish I could stay, but i got to go. How many of you know there's a price for the fire of God? There's a price we've got to pay. And they kept on, some of them kept on looking and, you know, and they've got to decide, what do I do? What do I do? But Jesus said, tarry until you endure with power from on high. They kept on hanging in there. And you know what? On the day of Pentecost, from 500, only 120 were willing to pay the price and stay there until God shows up. And God is looking for people that will refuse to give up, that refuse to give in, that refuse to throw in the towel. They say, God, if I keep praying and I don't see the cloud like that of a man's head, I'll keep praying again and I'll keep praying again and I'll keep praying again until I see the cloud like that of a man's hand. You see, one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ is that we suffer from a disease called givabitis. We give up too quickly. When things get hard, we give up. We throw in the towel. Amen. When something becomes difficult, we throw, we, Lord, it's too hard. We give up. But God is looking for people that refuse to take no for an answer. That know how to navigate the negatives so that they can get to the positive. That know how to go through the situations and go through the challenges in order to get to the breakthrough. So my question today is how bad do you want it? How bad do you want your miracle? How bad do you want your breakthrough? How bad do you want your, 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 to see that move of the Spirit of God? Sometimes God is looking for us to pay the price of persistence. 
He's looking for us to pay the price of being able to pursue God even in the face of negatives and challenges and, and resistance. He's looking for people who refuse to take no for an answer. Now you've got to understand the moment you begin to call upon the name of the Lord, the moment you open your mouth, he hears you. He hears you. But sometimes it looks like he's ignoring you. But he's not really ignoring you. He really, all he wants to know is how bad do you want your breakthrough? You see blind body Myers on the side of the road. The Bible says blind body Myers had a problem. He could not see. He was blind. His problem wasn't hearing. His problem was seeing. Most believers, this is their problem. Their problem is not hearing. Their problem is with seeing. They hear that God wants to bless them, but they haven't seen it. They hear that God wants to, to take them to another level, but they haven't seen it. They hear that God wants to promote them, but they haven't seen it. Many believers are like blind body Myers, broken down on the side of the road, watching everybody else passing them by, passing them by, passing them by. And blind body Myers, year after year after year, was in the same position, not making any progress because he could hear, but he could not enter or he could not see what he wanted. And so you've got to understand, God is speaking to us and asking us, how bad do you want your miracle? One day he heard Jesus passing by. He heard some commotion. The Lord was walking and he was heading in a particular direction. And he had had news about Jesus and how Jesus heals people and opened blind eyes and opened deaf ears. And he decided that this is the day of my salvation. This is the day of my breakthrough. I'm not going to let another year come and go. I'm not going to let another year just stay stuck in the same place doing the same old, same old, same old. How many of you are tired of the same old, same old, same old? Amen. And the Bible says he stood there looking and hearing Jesus is passing by. And he said, I'm not going to let him pass me by. Let me tell you, there's two kinds of people that receive from God. Those who God touches and those who touch him. If he doesn't touch you, you touch him. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus did not have an appointment with her. His appointment was with Jairus' daughter who was dying. And the Bible says that he was heading to Jairus' house. But the woman with the issue of blood decided, today is my day of my miracle. Today is the day of my salvation. Today I'm going to receive my breakthrough. And the Bible says, she said, if, if he does not touch me, I'll make sure I touch him. See, most of us, we think that we need God to touch us. Let me tell you, if he's not touching you, you go and touch him. You press in until you touch him. Don't give up until you touch him. Come behind the press. People may step on your feet and step on your toes and step on your fingers as you crawl behind him. But you keep on pressing in until you touch the hem of his garment. If you want to see breakthrough and you want to see miracles and you want to see increase, that is something that we have to learn to do. We have to touch him. Let me just say this. You've got to understand the moment your perspective changes, you enter into your season of breakthrough. The Bible says Jesus spoke to the disciples one day and he said, you say four more months and then comes the harvest. But then he says, but lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is ripe. 
You see, they were looking chronologically. They were looking and waiting for a future date and a future time when harvest will come. They said, four more months and then harvest. But Jesus says, if you learn to lift your eyes, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. If you, if you be, just change your perspective and begin to look to him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the harvest that would have been four months away, is come, I mean, he just pulls it to today. He said, you say four more months and then there's harvest. But lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is ripe. Amen. Glory be to God. How many of you know God is calling us to change our perspective and pull that which is 10 years out to, to, right, to right now? You don't have to wait for my five more years. You don't have to wait for 10 more years. Let me tell you, by a change of perspective, we'll pull it from that dimension to this dimension. Glory be to God. And I feel that that's what the Lord is speaking to us, to persist and not to give up and to begin to shift our focus onto Jesus and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me and refuse to give up until you get your breakthrough. The Bible says he called out, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know that everybody could hear him? And I believe Jesus could hear him. But you may wonder, why did Jesus not answer him? It wasn't that he was ignoring him. But I believe God wanted to know, how bad do you want your miracle? How bad do you want your miracle? How bad do you want your breakthrough? How bad do you want your promotion? And so he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what happened? The people came to him, they told him, shut up. Why are you yelling? Why are you making all this ruckus? Why are you ca causing all this commotion? Keep your mouth shut. And the more they told him to turn it down, the more he turned it up. Hallelujah. People that are out for breakthrough don't turn it down. They turn it up. When they feel discouraged, their praise, they turn it up. When they feel down, they turn their prayers up. They don't stop. They come on. They, it just goes to another level. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, just turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. If the first time doesn't work, just turn it up. Just turn it up, turn it up. And so he turned it up. He said, Jesus, son of David, how much of me? Finally, Jesus stopped. You see, he had to navigate the negativity, all the negativity before he gets to his breakthrough. And so you've got to understand that you have to become desperate for God. You've got to get to that place where you are desperate for Jesus. That you compel him and you say, Jesus, don't pass me by. I read through the scriptures and I discovered something really peculiar. I discovered that many times Jesus doesn't go to people. He goes past people. And you have to compel him to come over. The Bible says Jesus came walking on water and it says that it looked like he would have passed them by if they never compelled him to come into the boat. The Bible tells us when he was walking past blind Bartimaeus, he would have passed him by, but blind Bartimaeus compelled him. When he was walking with the man on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says that it looked like he was just about to keep going, but they compelled him and said, come to our house. 
When he was going to Sodom and Gomorrah, he walked past Abraham's house. Guess what? They were carrying Abraham's miracle of Isaac. But, but the Bible says that Abraham had to compel them to come in. They were not going to his house. They were going to Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels. How many of you have read that? And I found many times the Lord will be passing us by, but we have to compel him to come. The man on the, the pool of Bethesda, there was something about his faith that compelled Jesus. When he, Jesus was passing by, there was something about that man that pulled Jesus, that he came and he went over all those bodies and all those bodies and found a man who had been there for 38 years. And every day he would say, today's the day of my miracle. And when he wants to step in, somebody stepped in before him. Talk about not giving up. Talk about not throwing in the towel. There's something about having a tenacious spirit that refuses to give up that catches the attention of God. There's something about getting to that place where you've refused to throw in the towel that catches the attention of God. And God will move heaven and earth just to show up on your behalf. Glory be to God. And I believe this is one of the keys to seeing a move of God. Is to refuse to give up. Evan Roberts, the Bible, we are told in, in the story of Evan Roberts that he said, give me wells or give me death. He said, there's no other option. You either give me revival or you take me out of here. He was determined to see a move of God in his land. And God is speaking for people that refuse to negotiate, that refuse to be offended, that refuse to give up, that refuse to give in. I believe the biggest problem that we have in the body of Christ is that we give up too quickly. We give up too quickly. And when we do, we miss the miracles that God has in store for us. We miss out the breakthroughs that God has in store for us. The Bible says, which of you shall have a friend that comes to you at midnight? I believe this is Luke chapter, chapter 11, chapter 18. Chapter 11. And he said, 18, verse 1, chapter 18. And the Bible says, which of you shall have a friend? And this is Jesus teaching us and giving us a, a prophetic a message on persistence in prayer. He says, this man will go and knock on the door, not because they are friends, but knock on the door because he is persistent. There's a desperation that was there. And the Bible says that the friend that was in the house will come out and give him as much as he needed, not because they are friends, but because of his persistence. That means that there are some things God will give you because of persistence that even friendship will not get you. Amen. He said it's not because he's not giving it to him because of his friendship, but because of his what? Persistence. God is looking for people that refuse to give up. If you pray the first time and you see nothing, keep praying. If you pray the second time, see nothing, keep praying. If you pray the third time and see nothing, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. And you will see the hand of God. The Bible tells us about the Syrophoenician woman that was following Jesus. Jesus, please help me. My daughter is vexed with a demon. What did Jesus do? He ignored her. He ignored her. 
He kept walking. Jesus, please do something for me. My daughter is vexed with a demon. But he kept ignoring her. Why? Because he was, at that time, it was illegal for him to preach to anybody outside the household of Israel. He was sent to the Lordship of Israel. But this woman kept following Jesus. Jesus, please do something. My daughter is vexed with a demon. He, I mean, she went on and on until the disciples were completely irritated. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, please do something. She's driving us nuts. So what did Jesus do? He says, bring her to me. She comes over and then Jesus says to her, what do you want me to do for you? She says, my daughter is vexed with a demon. Please do something. Help her. Deliver her. Set her free. Jesus says it is not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Now, if your pastor calls you a dog, most of you will leave the church and friend him on Facebook, block him, and tell everybody about what he did. Oh, I have a problem, and pastor called me a dog. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But one thing you've got to understand, desperate people cannot be offended. I said desperate, if you can be offended, you're not desperate enough. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Desperate people cannot be offended. If you're desperate for a move of God, you will stay planted even when things are not going your way. You will say, God, I'm not moving. This is my place of blessing. This is my place of miracles. Sometimes God will put you through the test of offense to see if you will do anything to get to your breakthrough. Can you, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is going to help somebody. How bad do you want it? Sometimes people have been offended and left places where God was going to heal them, deliver them, set them free. Just beyond the offense was their breakthrough. The Bible tells us Elijah offended Elisha. He called Elisha to follow him. But then one day, Elisha, you know, was shadowing him, following him everywhere till he got irritated. He says, stay here, stop following me. And then he says, as long as the Lord lives and as long as my soul lives, I will never leave you. And Elijah, Elijah was never pastoral. You know, he's a prophet. He was walking around just irritated by this guy, shadowing him everywhere. He goes to the bathroom, opens the door, this guy's just waiting there. He said, as long as the Lord lives and as long as my soul lives, I will not leave you. Why? Because he wanted double what he had. He said, I will take double what you've got. And this is what Elijah said to Elisha. He said, if you see me being lifted up from this place, whatever you are asking for will be yours. In other words, if you stick with me to the end and you refuse to give up and to give in, the day I leave this earth, it's going to be yours, double. He said, you've asked a hard thing. But if you stick with it, and several times he kept telling him, leave me alone, stay away from me, Refused to answer his phone calls. Didn't resign his emails. He said, listen, I'm busy. And, but then he said, I'm persistent. I want a miracle. I want my double portion. I want my breakthrough. God answers persistence. He answers persistence. He answers persistence. I'm going to close with this. The Bible tells us about the four friends. The Bible tells us, these four friends had a friend of theirs who was sick. This friend of theirs who was sick, one day they said, we love you. We want to take, uh, take you to Jesus. 
Jesus is going to heal you. Thank you. Jesus is going to heal you. Jesus is going to set you free. So these friends were determined that we're going to take him to, our, to Jesus and Jesus is going to do a miracle. So they took a blanket. They went to his house. They said, can you walk? The guy was too sick. He said, we can't, we can't walk. So they said, okay, quickly, hurry up. Jesus is having his meeting and we want to get there early so we can get some space. So the guy couldn't walk. They carried him, put him in the blanket, and he said, you carry that corner, you carry that corner, I'll carry this corner, and we carry him and take him to the meeting. So they carried him, and they started taking this man to the meeting. As soon as they got to the place where it was, there was too many people that had already arrived. The place was full. It was packed out. People everywhere. People everywhere. These guys, when they arrived, now most of us, if we saw that, we just turn around and go home. Give up. Oh, too many people. We can't get in. We can't even see Jesus. He's in the living room somewhere preaching, and we can't, we, we can't even see. But not these guys. Somebody said, don't give up. These guys said, no. Okay, if the front, we can't go in through the front door. There's too many people crowding all the way. Let's say, let's go through the back door. So they carry the friend and they go through the back door, to the back door. They get to the back door, people everywhere packed out through the back door. Now most people have said, okay, we try the front door, we try the back door, let's give up, let's go home. But not these guys. They said, well, the back door, front door closed, let's try the windows. So they went through around, I can see them carrying him through the windows, trying, and people are hanging through the windows, and, and finally there's nothing. They can't go through the windows. They tried doors, they tried back doors, they tried windows, nothing. Now most people would have been like, oh, okay, too hard, too difficult, let's give up, let's go. But these guys were like, no, we've come too far to give up now. How many of you can say we've come too far to give up now? Pray too many prayers, cry too many tears. We've gone through too much to just throw in the towel right now. We have left Egypt. We have survived the wilderness just to die at the edge of the promised land. The devil is a liar. We've come too far to give up now. They said, let's go find us a ladder. They went to the neighbor's house, maybe went to the shed, pulled out a ladder, and they put the ladder at the, on, the, on the wall of the house. Now, I don't know how you carry a man in a blanket up a ladder. <laughs> That in itself is determination. I have tried to fix an aerial on top of the house one time years ago. And let me tell you, it is scary as climbing that, to, to, to cl cl climbing that ladder, trying to get on top of the roof. And you're carrying some heavy tool belt. You, I mean, my goodness. Now they were carrying this man. Whether there are two ladders or three ladders, how they did it, I don't know. But that is determination. How they dragged that man up there without dropping him is determination. So they got him on top. Finally, all four of them, they carried him. And then they said, okay, let's work out where is the lounge. I think this looks like the toilet here. This is the bedroom. The, uh, I can hear him. He's down here. They said, let's get to work. They started digging, digging, pulling all the, the, the tiling and the stuff and digging. Somebody say persistence. You got to persist. You can't give up. They dug all this big massive hole. Jesus is preaching. And also, you know, there's little things falling from the, from the ceiling. He still just keep going. 
And then sooner, guess what? These guys start lowering this man and they lower him right to the feet of Jesus. Now let me just say this. If you want to cut the line, persistence is the key. There are some things for you to receive from God. You may have to line up because there are many who have come ahead of you. But if you are persistent, you will be able to cut the line and get to the front. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. In Australia, it is impolite to cut the line and get in front of people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But persistence gives you the right to go from the back to the front. And so whenever you hear the Bible says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, there's a key ingredient that's there that's not mentioned. It's called persistence. Hallelujah. And so if you want to get to that place, so this man who would have been at the last of the, of the line to be prayed for was now at the feet of Jesus. Persistence will bring you at the place of your miracle and the place of your breakthrough. I want us to stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. Father, help us not give up. Help us not give in. Help us not throw in the towel. We ask you, Lord, to speak to us, to minister to us. Lift up your hands. If you're like blind body mice, you said, I have prayed for too long. I'm not going to give up. If you're feeling, you've been sensing like a giving up kind of a place. You feel like you're just about to throw in the towel. You feel like you've sacrificed and sacrificed and nothing has happened. And you're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do more. Let me just say this. God wants to do something for you. God wants to show up on your behalf. There are some of you in this place, you're believing God for miracles. You're believing God for breakthroughs. You're believing God for signs and wonders. You're asking God to show up on your behalf. You've been crying out to God saying, Lord, we want to see revival. We want to see a move of the Spirit of God. We want to see the anointing being, being poured out. Release it over us, O oh God.